before us to gather our hearts together, pilgrims of like precious faith. Lord, as we're in a work week, dear God, and we come from different places, different things on our minds, different responsibilities, the busyness of life, we come into the house of the Lord and feel your presence, and we feel our hearts warmed, we feel our hearts strengthened. Lord, to see your army, Lord, sharpening their swords, coming in to get a breath of fresh air. Go back out to battle. And press this sword to the heart of the enemy. I pray, dear God, Lord, you would move in our midst in such a way. Lord, that you'd strengthen every weary heart, every sick body. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'll move upon the young people, each and every one, middle-aged, Lord, to our eldest, we pray. God, we ask, Lord, that you just shower us with your presence. May the beauty of the Lord be upon us. May your face shine upon us. We love you, we thank you, and we pray as we begin to preach the word of God, Lord, that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Lord, that you would come down and just make this word alive to us. Thank you for the bread of life. Thank you for the light that we walk in. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that leads us. We pray, Lord, that you be with Brother Tim and Brother Timothy and Brother Joe and different ministers, Lord, that are out. Pray, Lord, that you just continue to watch over us throughout the week. We love you. We thank you as we assemble ourselves together around your word. We ask that you quicken it and write it upon the fleshly tables of our hearts. We commit this service to you now as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles, if we can, to the book of Acts. And we'll start in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside. And when he cometh, he shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I sent to thee that thou hast well done, that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear the things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism of John, which, I'm sorry, after the baptism which John preached, 
How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead. To him give all prophets witness, and through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. While Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they that were of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to preach tonight on God's attitude towards Adam's fallen race. May God bless the reading of his word. You can have your seats this evening. You can imagine these were strange surroundings. Thank you, Brother Mike. These were strange surroundings for Peter. As he was very accustomed to the familiar surroundings of the Jewish home, the Jewish villages, the Jewish cities, He was accustomed to what they would have on the wall or what they would eat or what they would have on the table. It was very common as Israel had took pride of being God's people and and even visiting the holy city, God's city. But it was very rare for a Jew to ever step into the house of a Gentile. These surroundings were not familiar. This was a very different thing for a Jew to do And the stranger thing is God is leading Peter by the Holy Spirit to go into this house. It's just a couple days before he has a vision where the Spirit of God directed him to the house of Cornelius. Peter went up on the rooftop and it was about the ninth hour. It was in the afternoon. He had been fasting, maybe went without his breakfast. As he was on the housetop meditating upon the things of God, he broke into a vision And he saw a vessel come down looking like four-cornered, like like something coming down with four corners. And he saw all manner of of unclean beasts in it. And the voice spoke to Peter and said, slay and eat. And Peter said, Lord, I've never eaten unclean things. It's never came into my body I've walked according to the law. I've obeyed the law. Nothing has ever come into my mouth which is unclean. And then God comes back and says, what I have cleaned, don't you call it common. And this happened three different times and it went up. And now now Peter is a little baffled about the vision as he's trying to understand what is happening. And at the exact same time, how many believes that God works on both ends? Whenever God is leading, God will always work on both ends. And so God is working with a Gentile, Cornelius, a man who gave alms. He was maybe a proselyte to the Jewish religion. And he feared God and he much prayers went before God. 
And God, an angel, appears to Cornelius and tells him, go to the seaside where you will find Simon Peter and bring him here for he has words that you got to have. Now this was unlawful. As Peter walks into the door of Cornelius, he said, now you know how it is unlawful for a Jew to eat with a Gentile or to come into a Gentile's dwelling. See, but God was now moving in a way that he had never moved before. He was moving in a way that was above Peter's thinking. And no doubt Peter had, you know, they were turning a corner. Every prophecy that they had looked in the Bible was pointing to Christ. No doubt that when he, every time he went to bed, he was meditating upon what God was doing in that age. He could think about the, the things that he had witnessed with his own eyes, the own calling that was in his life. But now God is moving further than he even did yet as God is moving him to the house of a Gentile. And notice this. He goes in there. He begins to preach unto them Jesus. And as he is preaching to them the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit falls on a Gentile and all the Gentiles that were gathered and, and, and Peter witnesses that this indeed is the same Holy Ghost that fell on us at Pentecost. And now he's visiting the Gentile people. When the Jews had found out that Peter had went into a Gentile's home, they called him to task. And they wanted to know what in the world was he doing. And Peter rehearses the same story to the Jews. And then he says here in Acts chapter 11 verse 17, For as much as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I? that I could withstand God. He said, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then God also to the Gentiles has granted repentance unto life. I would have liked to have been there at that moment. And no doubt they're scratching their heads because there was a pride with Israel. We're Jews. We're God's chosen people. He don't do nothing, but he does it through us. Now God is moving beyond Peter's limitations and beyond 4,000 years of Jewish history. God is now revealing his attitude towards the Gentile people. Listen to me closely. Because Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation that feareth him and worketh righteousness... He is accepted with him. So now God is revealing his attitude towards the Gentile people. God has never done this before. And now the vision, the interpretation of the vision is being fulfilled as the Holy Ghost falls upon the Gentiles. That Christ did not die just for the Jew. But Christ died for the Jew. He died for the Samaritan. He died for the black man, the white man, the yellow man. He died for all men. He died for Adam's fallen race. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11, Paul picks it up and says, Wherefore remember 
that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are all called uncircumcision, which that was a derogatory term used by Jews regarding the Gentiles. He said, he said they are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision, the Jew, in the flesh made by hands. And at that time, speaking of the Gentile, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. In other words, he is bringing us into a relationship with God. For he is our peace, who made both one, Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, between the two antagonistic groups, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Through him we, are, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners and fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. I'll stop there just uh, to continue my thought. The first thing that Pentecost accomplished was tore down the middle wall of partition between the Jew and the Gentile, and the first thing it produced was a brotherly love. That was God's attitude towards Adam's fallen race. It produced a love, and Peter knew what the love of God was all about. He knew that God's grace had called him out of that fishing career. He saw the love of God heal the blind. Raise the dead, cast out devils. He saw the love of God five, feed 5,000. He saw love in action. He saw its forgiveness. He saw its power. He saw its authority. But now God's love is going beyond what Peter ever understood. When God was visiting the Gentile people for the first time in human history. Brother Branham said, I used to think that God loved me and I'm sorry, Jesus loved me and God hated me. Then I found out that Jesus was the very heart of God. How many believe that? When you saw Jesus, you saw God's heart on earth. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was literally the, the embodiment of the heart of God. He was the very expression of the love of God. Can you say Amen. And notice this, the Bible said Jesus is the expressed image of God's person. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God became a man. God came down from glory and all that was good to help helpless creatures. To save those that were unlovable, undesirable, unemployable. To those that were just unsuitable. 
But he came to the lowest, from the highest to the lowest. And Jesus was not found in the steeples and and the great uh, lofty places of the earth. He was found among the common people. Where would we find Jesus if he walked the earth today? Would he be in the great Vatican's or the Orthodox churches of the earth? Or would you find him down by the river? Would he still be a friend of, of sinners and publicans? Would he be found among the shepherds and the common people? Raised among peasants and found just among the commoners. Just like you and I. This was God's love for his people. He made himself no reputation. He was not out to get a big name. It's actually the outcast that gave him his reputation. We make his reputation because he loved us enough to stoop down and reach down to you and I. Aren't you happy to be a servant of the Lord? The Bible said he became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. Hallelujah. And God appeared among tax collectors and and shepherds and fishermen and outcasts. Who would ever think Emmanuel would rub shoulders like that? Don't you love him? The ministry of Jesus, he cared for the people. The Bible said that he healed the sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He was the expression of God's heart to those that were totally helpless. The Bible said that he healed all manner of sin and disease. And despite the ceremonial laws of the Jews and all of their self-righteousness, while they were in their church separated, he was moving right among the prostitutes and all of the rejects of society. That's where they found him. He expressed his love by having forgiveness. He expressed his love in parables. As he would teach them parables and there was a drawing power to God. When he spoke, though his voice was not heard in the streets, there was a drawing power. And it drew those that could be drawn. He would tell stories of 99 sheep and one that went astray into the wilderness There's many of them out there tonight on the bar stools and out in the world in in drug houses and prostitute sex houses. But yet, he says that one good shepherd loved his sheep. And he left the 99 and went hunting until he found it. And he packs it on his shoulders and he packs it into the fold, baptizes it with the Holy Ghost and puts it where it needs to be. Hallelujah. That was just like you and I. Aren't you glad that he came looking for you? He put you over his shoulders and packed you to the house of God. He would tell parables to express the very love of God. And he expressed himself in the 99 sheep, the one that was lost or the prodigal son told about how a a prodigal, a boy that knew better, had left, got around the wrong crowd and spent all that he had. Famine comes into the land and he finds himself 
without anything. And that's always the repeating story. That every time that you go from the presence of God, you'll find yourself come to yourself in the hog trough one day. Morally stripped, physically, financially, spiritually depleted. He's lusting after the very food of the slop of the pigs. He come to himself and had enough sentence to say, my dad owns some things. I'm not worthy to be a son, but I'll go back to my dad and I'll work as a servant. And I love the story. Brother Branham said, as the sun was rising one morning, dad was out there on the porch. He said, look, Ma. She said, honey, that's him. And they didn't put a keep out sign. The dad went running to him. I love that. It was an expression of the heart of God. He didn't run away from him. He ran to him. My son, my son, I've been watching for you. I've never give up on you. I've been waiting for your return. And then he said, bring the best robe and the best ring. He said, and slay the fatted calf. For he was lost and now he's found. These are just expressions of the heart of God. Men wonders, what is God? What does he look like? I'll tell you what he looks like. He looks like the expression of Jesus Christ upon the earth. If we could draw him, that's the way we would draw him. In humility, humility that man cannot touch. In love that man cannot touch. Because Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. He was the expression of God. Is that all right? He was expressing his attitude. Stay with me now. Brother Benham begins to expound John chapter 4 as Jesus had a need to go by Samaria. Now there was a great segregation between the Jews and the Samaritans. And why Jesus would have a need to go by Samaria when his own disciples were surprised that he talked to them. He goes and he sits down on a well. No doubt he's following a vision. And he sends his disciples off to get meat. And as they go to get meat, he's waiting for that little girl to walk down the street that he saw in the vision because he'd done nothing but what the father showed him. Pretty soon he sees the figure coming. And this girl is not a church girl. She's a prostitute. She's coming down the road. But yet he has a need to go by Samara. In her condition. How many homes did she break up? How many children were crying and families destroyed by a woman's life like that? But yet God has a need. To go by Samara. I know you say just the scum of the earth, but God had a need. That's what I was, the scum of the earth, but God had a need. Did you know that that, that Jews and, and Samaritans had no dealings? When he saw, he caught her attention and said, woman, bring me a drink. She said, are you talking to me? You're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? He said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for a drink. 
See, they had segregations, but God is no respecter of person. This woman was a prostitute. Brother Branham said her mommy and daddy put her out there as a young girl. She wrecks her life, and God understands why her life is wrecked. But she had one thing going for her. She was looking for the Messiah. She had something on the inside of her. She said, well, we knew when the Messiah would come, he'll tell us these things. He exposed her problem, said, go get your husband and come here. She said, I have none. He said, you have five, and the one you're living with is in chores. Did you know she's a type of you and I? The last stage, just the outcast of society. Do you know in the last days that the last message to the wedding supper will go into the highways and byways and scrape us off the streets? It's the love of God. In her sinful condition, he had no respect of person. Why wasn't he there with Caiaphas? Why wasn't he with the up and ups? God is not a respecter of a Samaritan, of a Jew. Jesus did not care about their segregations. He said, and you see, God is no respecter of nationality. Our colors mean nothing. Jesus told the woman at the well, he didn't care about her segregation. We must worship in spirit and in truth. Do you love the Lord? Heaven is open to all tribes of the earth, no matter who it is. And Jesus' attitude, he expressed it to the prostitute, to the gambler, to the sinner. It's his permanent attitude to Adam's fallen race. What he did to them, he does today. Do you believe that? Jesus, when he died for our sins and in his last breath said, forgive them, they know not what they do, he was expressing his love. When they drug a prostitute out and was going to stone her and said, the law says to stone her, what do you say? He says, those without sin cast the first stone. He was expressing his love. I'm not talking about just this sloppy love that he says, I'll punish you and he'll never do it. But I'm talking about the real love of God with the ministry of reconciliation that will pull them out of their sin, that'll pull them out of a brand plucked from the fire He'll pull us out of our stronghold. He'll open the prison door. He don't leave us in a, in a dying state, but he delivers us from death and sets us upon the throne. I'm talking about the love of God that takes nothing and makes a masterpiece out of it. How many believe in the love of God? I marvel at it. I believe we can't comprehend the love of God. The Bible tells us he was dying on the cross, beat so bloody he was unrecognizable, two thieves railing at him at the beginning, then one whispering through his dying lips, his dying breath, looks over to Jesus and said, remember me. And thought of God never entered his mind. He even confessed, we deserve death, but this man has done nothing. And he had enough God in him to look at him and say, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And just because he said that, what strength Jesus had left as he's gasping for his breath, he says, this day you'll walk with me in paradise. 
Let me tell you, the faintest cry, the Holy Spirit will come to your seat. If you want healing, he'll come to you. If you want salvation, he'll come to you. But it's got to come from a real genuine heart. How many say, I need more of God? He'll come just a whispering from a dying unworthy man brought life to him. That ought to make you shout. But you know, if God ever saves one man, he's got to save the other man the same way. That in order to be just... And if God would save a man like that, then he's got to save every man after that comes on the same basis. If God would save a prostitute like that, he's got to save every person that comes on that same basis. Hallelujah. So don't you use that as an excuse to live loose. You can be an overcoming son and daughter of God. You can be a conqueror walking on the front lines of God's God's challenging us to believe. His attitude is whosoever will let him come. He was the full expression of God's heart. God so loved the world. He expressed himself in so many ways. Brother Branham said, I'm glad he can be found among the brokenhearted. In in our sorrows, he'll never leave us. He stands by us when all has failed. When the last hopes of earthly reaching has come to its end. He's still God. And he loves us. He was expressing God. He was the greatest, the first representation of love that ever hit the earth. He was despised of those that lived on the earth. And no man ever loved like him. No man He said they hated him, they despised him, but they could not stop his love. They laughed at him when he hung on the cross. He said he only done good, but in his last breath he said forgive them. They know not what they do. See, it was not the blood of a Jew that saved us. Neither was it the blood of a Gentile that saved us. Brother Branham said, it was the blood of Almighty God. It was Emmanuel's blood, God with us. And in that blood cell was a power that could take the filthiest prostitute and make her a daughter of God. That could break the power of alcohol. That could break the power of drugs. Could break the strongholds of marijuana. That could break pornography that could take a dark heart and make it love again, that could take a dead man and make him live again. There's a power in that blood, a life in that blood, and that life was the life of God. When they stuck the spear in his side, blood began to run out. And that blood broke down the middle wall of partition between us. It was Emmanuel's blood. Brother Branham said, it was God's own blood. Not Jewish blood, not Gentile blood. Blood from Emmanuel's veins that broke down the middle wall of partition. See, there's an earthly love. And an earthly love is a perverted love. And that's the love that we love our wives. And 
We live, it's an earthly love. It's a jealous love. It's a put up your dukes and fight kind of love. If someone insults your, your wife or your children, you put up your dukes and, and, you, and you, you fight for it. It's a jealous love. But the love of God is a higher love than that. The love of God, the, the love of God is agape love, a divine love. And Brother Branham saw it when he went beyond the curtain of time. And they were running by the thousands crying, our precious brother. And he said, when you're in there, there is no male nor female. Remember, he took him up in his arms and he said there was no sex glands there. There's no marriage. There will be like the angels of heaven. Brother Branham said, no sex glands. And so there is no male, no female as marriage And he said, I was hugging those women. They were every bit women. He said, but there was no temptation there. They were genuinely sisters. And we are genuinely all in Christ. Listen, I think this is beautiful. In the sixth seal, Brother Branham explains this love. It's incredible. Brother Branham was talking to Mita. And he was talking to her about going beyond the curtain of time. Brother Branham said, I saw Hope there, his first wife. And she said, Bill, I want to ask you a question about heaven. He said, go ahead. She said, I know that Hope loved you. He said, yes, Hope did love me. And she said, now I don't think that I would be jealous, but I know that Hope was. When we get to heaven, who's going to be your wife? Me or Hope? Brother Branham said, well... When you get over there, both of you, there won't be any, but yet you will be. She said, I can't understand it. So Brother Branham gave a little parable. He said, now, let's say that I put on a nice suit, and I walked down uptown, and a prostitute wrapped her arms around me. said, oh, Bill, I love you, I love you. He goes, what would you think about that? She said, I don't think I would like that too much. He said, now, let me ask you a question, honey. Who do you love more, me or Jesus Christ? She said, honey, I love you with all my heart, but if I've got to make a choice, I'll have to get rid of you and take the Lord. Brother Branham said, thank you, Mita. He said, I appreciate that. Now, what if that prostitute hugged Jesus and said, I love you, I love you. She goes, I think I would enjoy that. He said, that's the difference. See, she was jealous with Brother Branham, but she wasn't jealous with Christ. (laughs) Do you see it? And so there is no male, there is no female, but we are all one in Jesus Christ. How wonderful. How many are looking forward to that? So notice this. After Peter goes into Cornelius' house, and while he yet speaks, the Holy Ghost falls upon the Gentiles. From that time on, whosoever will, the Holy Ghost starts falling. For 2,000 years, the Holy Ghost was falling just like Cornelius' house. It can fall on you right in your seat. It can give you a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It can give you a rebaptism of the Holy Ghost. It can give you a refilling, a renewal. It can give you joy, peace, power, and healing. Because it's available. 
Because God's attitude is the same. How many knows that God loves you this evening? Everyone can receive the Holy Ghost. It's open. The door is open. And God wants to give it. There's no reason why we shouldn't receive it. Because by grace are we saved through faith. Do you believe that? The Bible says the grace of God has brought salvation to all men. And the Holy Ghost never built walls of denomination. Men built walls of denomination. The Holy Ghost tore down the walls of denomination. Denomination is man-made, not God-made. There's only one church going in the rapture. And that's the body of Jesus Christ, the redeemed body of Jesus Christ. And in order to go in the rapture, you've got to be baptized in that body and be a part of that church. That ought to make you shout. But every one of us is invited to that church. How many want to be a part of that church, be a member of that church? It's the only church you must be a member of. (laughs) God is good. The only fence that we need to build is a fence to keep the devil out and to keep God in. How many say, Lord, put a wall of fire about me? Somebody died in our place. We deserve hell, but the love of God took our place And there is no respect of persons. While he was on earth, he had no respect of person. He loved all. He healed all. He blessed all. And God's nature is unchanging. How many knows that he can't change? What he does for the first, he must do again. What he does any time in the Bible, he must do for you. There's no complexes in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are free people. How many want the love of God? I want to tell a story in this, and I I want to give some illustrations of the nature of the Holy Spirit. Way off in the early revivals, in the 1940s, Brother Branham goes, I believe it was around the Arkansas area, He was having the big, that was when it was first birthed, the healing campaign. But this particular time he goes into a church, he's only preaching. He's not having a healing campaign. He preaches the service and he walks outside. When he walks outside, there are people everywhere and they have police officers surrounding Brother Branham to get him to his car. It's drizzling and he hears a colored man up on a knoll crying, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Brother Branham said he looked and something was moving him towards that man. But they had back then what was called the Jim Crow law where they didn't allow whites and blacks to mingle. And Brother Branham wanted to go up to that man and as he begins to walk, The police officer said, where are you going, boy? He said, I'm going up to that man. He said, you better not do that. You'll cause a race riot. He said, I can't help your laws, sir. But the Holy Spirit told me, go to that man. As he's walking up, his wife is with him. She said, the possums is coming. And he said, you know how they talk in the South. And he said, can I help you, sir? He said, are you the possums? He said, yes, sir. He said, 
excuse me, he took his hands, he was blind, and he felt Brother Branham's face. And says, thank you, sir. He said, I want to tell you something. I'm from 100 miles away from here. He said, last night I was asleep and my mammy had your kind of religion. And he said, last night she'd been dead and gone for a long time. I was sleeping and she came to me in a dream. And she said, you go to that meeting and you'll get your eyesight, honey. He said, I come 100 miles here. And can you help me, sir? Brother Branham said, do you believe that Jesus Christ can heal you? He said, yes, sir. He said he grabbed him and he closed his eyes and said, Lord, I don't understand this man's dream. He said, but all I know to do is lay my hands on him. Would you give him his sight, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name? Set him free. And the man opened his eyes. Brother Benham turned and walked away. And as he's walking away, his wife goes, can you see, honey? Can you see? He said, I told you I would see. She said, you could really see? He said, look at that red car over there. She goes, oh, Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> see, while the laws of the land was separating human beings, the Holy Spirit drew the prophet of God to deliver a child of God. Not of the black race or the yellow race, but of the human race. And the Holy Spirit went to him and brought deliverance. Because that's God's attitude to all men. There was another, I'm sure you remember the, the story. And I want to drive home that God is no respecter of person. Because if God will do it for one, he'll do it for another. It don't matter how religious you are, how righteous you are. If he does it for one, he'll do it for another. Brother Brenham tells the story of his eight-day prayer line where he almost pushed himself beyond limitations. And he said it was raining that day too. And he said he had just prayed for someone inside of an ambulance. And he was trying to get back in the building and people were outside thousands of people and as he's trying to get back into the building with his hat pulled down his collar up he hears a, a little girl about 17 to 20 saying daddy daddy is a little black girl and he said he looked and he said they had the Jim Crow law and a white man was not allowed to help the little girl and he said poor thing it's I can't sit there and watch this child neglected he said I'm going to get in her way so he kind of got in the way so she would run into him. And she said, oh, excuse me, sir. He said, uh, little girl, are you blind? She said, yes, I got cataracts. I've been blind since I've been 12 years old. And she said, I can't say I lost my daddy. We, we're from Memphis. I lost my daddy and I can't find him. Can you help me? He said he looked up and he saw the charter buses and he saw Memphis. He says, uh, why are you here, young lady? She said, we heard on the radio of someone receiving their sight. And she said, we come to see the healer. He said, the healer. Are you serious in an age of medicine, of an age of technology and science? You really believe that God still heals? She said, yes, sir. I love her strong confession. Yes, sir. And he said, you come to see the healer. She said, sir, 
can you help me find my daddy? He said, well, yeah, I can help you back to the bus, but I want to talk to you about that healer. Do you believe such as that? And that girl stood up and said, listen, sir, you get me inside to the healer and I'll find my daddy myself. Brother Branham said it was more than he could deal with. He said, maybe I'm the one you're looking for. And she grabbed him by the lapel. She said, is you the healer? He said, no, ma'am. Jesus Christ is the healer. He said, but I'm Brother Branham. And she said, oh, have mercy. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. He said, now, he said, I'm going to pray for you. Turn loose on my lapel. She said, sir, I ain't letting go. I believe God loves that. He's no respect of person. If you got a need tonight, why don't you get a hold of God by the lapel? Say, I ain't turning you loose. I'm not letting you go. That's exactly what Jacob did one day. He said, turn me loose. He said, I ain't going to. You're going to bless me. You're going to fill me. You're going to answer my prayer. God loves when you have a little faith about you. He said, would you please let go because the gift was in the hand. He had to take her by the hand and she wouldn't turn. She said, no, sir, I ain't letting you go. This was her opportunity. He said, finally, he got her, her hand pried off, got her hand in his hand. He said, now I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. He said, she, she obeyed. And he said, Lord, he said, I'll never forget what I prayed. How many believes that Levi was in the loins of Abraham when he paid tithes to Melchizedek? You know that if there was a, a, a child out of wedlock in the Bible, that that went generations before that was cleansed out of the Jewish lines? Because a curse would actually follow down through the genealogies and down through family lines. But if a curse will come through a family line, so will blessings come down through a family line. And just like the blessing that came out of Levi and he come out of Abraham, the same blessing will go to our children and our children's children. And Brother Branham said, I'll never forget my prayer. I said, Lord, 2,000 years ago, you were walking toward Calvary. And he said, you couldn't carry your cross anymore. And a black man came and picked up your cross and started packing it for you. Here's one of his daughters tonight. Lord, I'm sure you understand. God does not forget everything you do for him. Every worship, every witness, every praise. 2,000 years later, God remembers what that man done. And the blessing has went down to the ages. God bless our children. Bless our grandchildren. Let the blessing of God flow from our lives. He said, now keep your eyes closed. She said, yes. Sir. And he said, he got her head even with his and said, now slowly open your eyes and be quiet. She opened her eyes. She said, is those lights? He said, yes. She said, are those peoples? He said, yes. 
She said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. She started screaming, I was blind, but now I see. And people started charging. Brother Branham takes off running. And a man said, I know you, I know you. He had a crippled foot. He said, pray for me. Brother Branham said, do you believe the Lord Jesus? He said, yes. He said, throw down your crutch. The man threw down his crutch and his leg come straight. Let me tell you, I'm talking about the Bible days. But if he is God tonight, he's always been God. He is the same in his attitude, in his mercy. While they cared about Jim Crow laws, God didn't care a thing. He had a daughter he had to touch. Because he broke down the center wall of partition. It's man's laws, it's man's ideas, it's man's barriers that keep the Holy Spirit from moving, but God is not a respecter of persons. God don't care about our limitations. He doesn't care about our prejudice. Do you know God is not a respecter of age? Watch Him in the prayer lines. He'll move upon young people just like He does old people. Do you know God is no respecter of churches? God is no respecter of doctrine. He paid the price for the whole human race. How many believe that? God only wants you to meet him under the blood. And there's only one provided place of worship. It is under the blood. Whether you were Dan or uh, Nephtali or Reuben or Ishakar, you had to come under the blood to that one place of worship in the temple. And now Christ is that place. And whether you're Baptist or Catholic or Jehovah Witness, you must come to that one provided place of worship. It is under the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us of all of our sin. God... Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. God is good. Don't it just make you love him with all your heart? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort you, therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom, can we say it together, for all, for all, not willing that any would perish. When he died, he died for all. You know, Brother Branham talked about Moses, how God told him, move out of the way and I'll destroy them and I'll start over with you. And Moses said, Lord, no. The heathen will say, you could not perform your word. The Bible said God repented for what he was going to do to them. Brother Branham said, how in the world could Moses have a better idea than God? He said, but then he realized it was actually a type of Jesus Christ standing between God and the people that kept the wrath off the people. 
And that is exactly the way our love should be to one another. That no matter how far stooped, how lost, how whatever, our attitude should be to stand in the breach and to try to see men saved. That's the way we should feel about human humanity. And I wanted to tell a story. Brother Branham said, you know, one day, this was in Chicago, he said a colored man came in and said, I want to see Dr. Branham. He had a big hat on and big crosses, eight or ten, ten inches long around his chest. He dressed real strange, beads and so forth. And he told him, he said, what should I regard you as, reverend, elder, father? Brother Branham said, if you love me, call me brother. And he said, so in respects he did. And he said, and then he had a huge title. He said, it'd be several lines on a page. He said, but something that always struck me. He said, I'm interested, Brother Branham. There's one thing that I'm interested in. I'm only interested in one race. He said, and that is the human race. Brother Branham said, there's where we'll shake hands. He said, the human race, everybody, every creed, every color, every person that Christ died for is my interest. We should make it our interest. How wonderful. Because Christ died for all. We talk about the German race or, you know, the black race or the red race. God don't care about it. There is a human race. And Jesus Christ died for the whole human race. Aren't you happy about it? Aren't you glad he didn't leave the white man out? Aren't you glad he didn't leave the black man out? God is good to us and we're all experiencing, we're all children of one father. All of us come from one blood. All of us are redeemed by one blood. And he says, whosoever will, let him come. And that's better than him saying, Craig Boer, come, because there could be many Craig Boers. But when he said, whosoever will, that included me in salvation. That included you. Every one of you can put yourself in the whosoever will. Don't that make you happy? There's nobody here that can be lost only if you want to be. But whosoever will, let him come. If you want the Holy Ghost, let him come. If you want healing, let him come. If you need peace, let him come. God's inviting the whole creation come. Come and partake of salvation. I think it was amazing just to give you another example of, and now this is the Holy Spirit doing this. Now I want to show you his attitude towards the human race. Because Brother Branham, he gets a call to Durban, South Africa. And if you remember, he asked for a sign and that sign was the healing of Florence Nightingale. And when she was healed, Brother Branham knew that that was a sign to go to South Africa. But before he got to South Africa in the early 50s, the Holy Spirit said, there is a trap set for you. And Brother Branham said, I thought it was a bunch of witch doctors. But come to find out, it was a bunch of preachers. And he said, when I got to Johannesburg in 1951... He said, the ministers laid an itinerary out and said, you're going to go here, going to go here, going to go here, going to go here. The angel of the Lord appeared to Brother Branham and said, you will not go with that itinerary. You're going to preach here. I think it was. He said, then you're going to go to uh, Brother Jackson's. You're going to hunt there. And then you're going to go to Durban and you're going to stay for an entire month. Well, the preachers were offended that Brother Branham would go hunting, but the angel of the Lord told him to. 
God does things just to stumble those that can be stumbled. So they would not bend. And you know the story. That story makes me sweat because I can imagine being in those shoes where the preachers are saying, you're going to go. And he said, I can't go. The angel told me. And then he shows them signs and they still are stubborn and won't budge. And what happened is the trap the angel warned him of him snapped on him. And so their unbending itinerary, the angel appears and said, now go with those men, but you will pay for it. So Brother Branham goes to uh, Bloemfontein, I believe it was, and he, he's out preaching, and miracles are abounding. But he notices something. He notices, he goes to a, a meeting, and they're all white people, Afrikaans. He said, where's the blacks? Where are the Indians? Where are the... And he said, oh, there's segregation here. Only white people in this crowd. And he's going and miracles are abounding. But then when Brother Branham finally gets to Durban, there's 20,000 people, Native Americans, Indians, uh, I'm sorry, African Natives, Europeans, different colors. They were all separated by fences. And this was the wisdom of the Holy Ghost that the only place in Africa you could have a combined meaning was in Durban. Where every race could be blessed by God. That's why he said go there for a month. It would have changed the course of history. Now what happened there changed the course. What would have it been? If he would have been able to spend a month there, what would have happened? Have you ever thought about it? You know that Brother Branham, that man, that retarded man came up in the line. Brother Branham sees him with chains and he's doing like a war dance. And he was so crippled he couldn't stand up. And Brother Branham begins to discern and said he's praying. He has a brother that fell off a yellow goat or a dog and he broke his leg. Thus saith the Lord is healed. And he hears someone scream a city block back, throws up his crutches and God heals the man. This young crippled retarded boy is praying for his brother. And the angel of the Lord tells him, let me tell you, God is hearing your prayers that are going up right now. And then all of a sudden, Brother Benham saw a vision of that boy delivered. And when he prayed, he grabbed that chain. For the first time in his life, that boy straightened up, came to his right mind, tears, was rolling down his belly, and the whole place began to roar. Brother Branham said, who will receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Throw down your idols. And the whole place just rose up and Baxter said, no, they couldn't have understood what you said. They wanted healing. He said, cast the net again. He said, not healing. Who will receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Throw down your idols. He said, it looked like a stampede. And the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the congregation. And 30,000 natives were baptized with the Holy Ghost simultaneously in a mass salvation and a mass healing. The next day, the mayor of Durban told Brother Benham to look out the window and he saw those trucks going down with wheelchairs, cots, and stretchers and they were all holding hands. These tribes that were in bitter war against each other are now holding hands singing, only believe all things are possible to them that believe. The Holy Spirit did not care about the tribal wars or the political problems. It wanted to bring salvation to the human race. 
Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? The Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. And the power of God is still available to everybody that will believe it. How many believe it's for you? It was given to, and I've wondered about this. Here, here are heathens that witness, they look and they witness God on the platform. Not Brother Branham, just the Spirit of God moving. Bones through their noses, naked. One woman, 10 feet from Brother Branham, gives childbirth. When she gets done, she throws the baby up on her breast, starts nursing, 10 foot away. And these are heathens that know nothing about God, but they see God, they respond, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Where are they? It was 10 times greater than Pentecost because it was 30,000. Where are they? Did they mean something to God? Oh, yeah. We don't have to know where they are. God knows where they are. And it meant something to God. See, salvation is of the Lord. God is no respecter of person. No matter how ignorant, how low, how uneducated, how rejected, how unpopular, God doesn't care about none of it. He wants to see men saved. God is not a respecter of color or race. He's not a a respecter of nationality. God only respects one thing, and that's His word. Aren't you thankful that he does? You know, Brother Branham said that he saw prostitutes healed before Christians. That's, that's strange. Coming up on the platform, he said, I'd see a prostitute come and get healed and a real devout Christian come up and not get healed. Because healing is not based upon righteousness. Healing is based upon faith. Sometimes a prostitute will have faith in God, simple faith, to come up and say, this is God. Walk out there. Now, he said, you don't have to be a Christian to be healed. But you must be a Christian to stay healed. Because go sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So, Brother Brandon would always say, now God will heal you, but I admonish you to become a Christian to keep your healing. So God will heal because he's no respecter of person. So he's not, we're not healed by our righteousness. We're not healed by our dedication or our tithe paying or, or how good we've been or how well versed we are in the scriptures. We are healed by faith. How many say, Lord, let me believe it? Brother Branham said, God respects faith. God respects his word. But he's no respecter of person. So we all got to meet God in the same place. The healing power lays in Calvary. If you're going to be healed, it's going to be your faith in Calvary. If you're going to receive the Holy Ghost, it'll be your faith in Calvary. How many say, Lord, give me more faith? You'll never get it anywhere else. It'll be at Calvary. And this message of grace is to all the world. We're so small. We're so insignificant. But God gives us a part to share this gospel. Now the gift was to manifest God's attitude to the people. And I want you to admit all of you have listened to the prayer lines and to the discernments. Me and Brother Tony was talking about this the other night. If you notice many times 
women preachers would come right out in the line and he would never say, do you know that the Bible says that a woman should keep her silence in the church? Not one time, but many a time. He said, you're a woman preacher. You're from such a place. Go receive your healing. Isn't that amazing? That the Holy Spirit never called it out, even though the Bible speaks about it. I think that's fascinating. There's another example, and I'll get back to that in just a bit. Brother Branham goes up to the Indian reservations. These would be the greatest meetings, he said, I've ever had on American soil. These Indians were driven off their land. White men killed their buffalo, destroyed their future, their sacred hunting grounds, drove them into just trash of the earth deserts, and they become alcoholics. Their, their lives had been ruined. And now they're restricted on a piece of ground that they didn't want. And just living in poverty for years. Brother Branham went up there. And he begins to tell them about Jesus Christ. He said, now the white man gave you a rough way to go. He said, but Jesus Christ will do you right. And he said, they're real strange people, the Indians. And he said, you got to really convince them before they'll believe. And he said, so a little boy come up. Or a little deaf girl, I believe it was. And a little deaf girl come up and she couldn't talk. And Brother Branham talks to her for a bit. Power of God strikes her pretty soon. She's talking pretty good. Brother Branham said, she'll, she'll talk better here in a bit. He said, she talked good now. <laughs> then a little boy with cross eyes came. And Brother Branham looked at him and he said, the woman was real rough. Grabbed him by the hair and pulled his head up like this. And the boy's eyes was severely crossed and Brother Branham's heart went for the cross died because Sharon Rose, when she died, her eyes crossed so terribly. He said, can I hold the boy? So he picks up the boy in his arms and held him. And he said, Lord, I pray that you'll heal the boy. And he said, the boy's eyes come as straight as Brother Branham's. And he said, when that happened, the prayer line was on. And he said, here they come like a stampede. They started coming through the line. And he said, there was a little old woman with broomsticks and she had shirts wrapped around those broomsticks. Just an old, old mother. He said, wrinkled face, weathered from the sun. She come up, tears was running down her face. And she looked at Brother Branham. Brother Branham looked at her. She smiled and handed him the crutches with no prayer at all and just walked on. <laughs> Don't you love the Lord? And Brother Branham said what happened was the greatest religious meetings that he had in the North American continent he said, because they saw God and they responded to it. Now, while the Indian has no, has no future in this country, God cared enough to go after him, looking for his sheep. God ran up into Durban with these heathens, started packing these sheep back to his fold. They're his fold. And he was no respecter of persons. The same miracles he performed all over the country, he performed among those Indians. How many believe he's Lord of all? God saves all those that want to be saved. Anybody that wants the Holy Spirit, it's available tonight. Anybody that wants more God, it's available tonight. You know, Brother Branham respected everybody that spoke the name Christ. This is what I want to get to. In the meetings, Brother Branham 
under the discernment he would call adultery. Exposed sin. People that had been cheating on their own wives. Horrible things. But if they made it right, they would come under the power of forgiveness like this. I marvel at that. Then about three or four times, Brother Branham said, did you ever notice in a congregation where Brother Branham said, we don't care if you're Methodist, if you're Baptist, if you're Jehovah Witness, if you're Catholic, it's all if you're a Christian, come. Did you notice in all of it, when the Holy Spirit say, you are from far away from here, you're from Minnesota, your address is thus, 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 thus. Two days ago, you were in the doctor's office. He's a heavy-set man with tortoise glasses. He said, you have a cancer on the breast or something of that nature. Thus saith the Lord, you're healed. Was that true? And it was exactly true every time. But did you notice the Holy Spirit never said, are you a Catholic? Are you a Methodist? Are you a Baptist? Never, not one time in the thousands of discernments, not one time did it ever correct their doctrinal error because he's no respecter of doctrine. He's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of churches. He said, it's if you believe that Jesus Christ died for you and paid your price, you can be healed. Why are you preaching this, Brother Craig? Because I want the devil to know tonight. I want the world to know that when he died at Calvary, he finished it for you. He finished it for you. He finished it for me. That every one of us has a right to the tree of life. Every one of us has a God-given right to healing. A God-given right to salvation. You say, I'm, I'm suffering with mental oppression. You have a God-given right for freedom. Because he died for the whole human race and the only ones that will ever be healed or ever be delivered or ever be set free are those who believe it and receive it how many say lord i believe it with all my heart I, lord i want more of you i want to be a real christian the only way you'll ever get it is to look to calvary where he did it for you he did it for you brother james he did it for you brother mike he did it now all we got to do is I believe it. I receive it. He's no respecter of persons. If he ever did it for Charles Finney, he'll do it for you. If he ever did it for John Wesley, if he ever did it for the Apostle Paul, when he came in Cornelius' house, he came looking. How many did he come looking for you? Let me tell you, I wasn't in church when I got saved. He came to my house in a little house called in Pleasant Bend, a village in, in, the, in the middle of nowhere. God came looking for me. I thank God he moves on your heart and he calls when there's something moving in your life. Where did he get you from? Where did he pull you from? Who's been holding you all these years? Who put that love of God in your soul? Who put that desperation and thirst and belief that he is returning in this age? How in the world do you believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? When all of the world scoff, what made you a believer tonight? How 
do you stand against the world and all of the world and walk towards the kingdom like you do? It is God that called you and begun the work. And it is God that will finish the work. It's God's love and his attitude towards you that is calling you tonight. Come higher. Come up higher. A closer walk. A better prayer life. A walk with more power, more victory, more sincerity. I need more of you, Lord. He don't care if you're Indian. He don't care how young you are. He don't care how old you are. He don't care who you are. He died for all men. Let's stand to our feet. As the musicians will come. I need more of you. That's the way it ought to be. And I need more of you. Till there's no Start.